Welcome back to the Back in Time podcast and welcome to another retro episode for December. This week we're diving way, way back into the archives all the way to December 20th of 2017. This was just episode 19 for the podcast, one of our well, it was our first holiday movie that we covered. Of course, this stars Tim Allen, and it's a fantastic movie. We really kind of dive into a lot of stuff in this episode, but instead of going through a lot of the preview and upcoming box office talk that we did in the original episode, I'm going to kind of cut it together so it's just the actual review of the Santa Claus and save you guys some time there. But uh, this is uh, probably not the greatest audio quality. At that point, we had not really invested in uh, great microphones for the podcast, so I apologize for that. But I think you guys are going to really enjoy this, and I think this might be the first or maybe the second time that JD talks about his hate of all kids named Charlie. So enjoy this retro episode, The Santa Claus, number 19 in the podcast from 2017. We begin at a company Christmas party. The CEO says it's been their best year yet. And it's all thanks to Do It All Dolly. They give a special shout out to Scott Calvin and his partner Susan Perry. We have our first look at Tim Allen here, Scott Calvin. This is really his breakout film role. What did you think of Tim Allen in this film? Well, I think he's Tim Taylor in this film, and I think he's wonderful. Is there another movie that he's done that you like more than this movie? Is there another movie that he's done? Yeah, Tim Allen. Are, are you trying to get me to talk about Jungle to Jungle? No, I'm just thinking, like, is this your favorite movie of his, or is there something else that you really like? Santa Claus is my fave. Have you ever watched Christmas with the Cranks? Damn it, I have. That is a good one, too. Yeah, that's not a bad Christmas movie. And You know who that's stars... based on a book by, right? No. Fact, fact checking. <laughs> Do you? Because <laughs> it's, e- it's either John Grisham or Stephen King. Okay. Uh, and... it, yeah, it's based on a book by John Grisham. I would have thought you would have said Stephen King just because he has the most random stuff that people are like, that, he wrote that one too? Did you know that Stephen King wrote the original Romeo and Juliet? No. You're joking, right? Yes. How could he have written the original Romeo and Juliet? He, had a, it would, have been, he would have been born like 600 years later. I hate you. He's a vampire. I thought you were talking about for the movie, like he wrote the screenplay or something. <laughs> I'm totally confused. Yes. Wow. Let me. Let me take all the egg off my face. All right. Let's continue on. So on his way home, Scott calls his ex-wife to say they will. He's going to be late. He blames it on the traffic, and he's beeping his horn and yelling at people. But the roads are completely clear. Uh, just a funny moment by him. He finally pulls up to the home. We meet his ex-wife Laura, played by Wendy Crewson, who apparently you have no attraction to, and his son, Charlie, played by uh, Eric Lloyd. Any thoughts on these two actors here? You're talking about the bitchy mom and then the annoying kid? You hate the kid in this one, too. Interesting. You seem to really hate kids. Yeah, apparently I hate all kids that had dads growing up. We're going down this road again? Just because you had a dad and Christmas and Thanksgiving and Michael Jordan's. (laughs) Yes. 
<laughs> you got him in there. I did ask my mom for a pair of Michael Jordans for Christmas this year, just to just so I could have it for the podcast. Oh, your mom is still alive? Oh God, shut up! I've met your mom. <laughs> yes, my, I'm sorry. That was that was an inappropriate joke. Okay, so <laughs> I should point out the guy driving the car is Neil, who's played by Judge Reinhold. He's the stepdad in this movie. What's your favorite Judge Reinhold movie? Are you not gonna You're not gonna do your shtick and say okay. and why what's your, is it? What, yeah, Beverly what's your, what's your favorite Judge Reinhold movie? And why is it Why is it this one? That's a really good point. Touche. Hold on, there's cops coming. My favorite Judge Reinhold movie, it has to be Santa Claus. He's Neil in this role in this movie is so good with his weenie whistle. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Judge Reinhold wants a weenie whistle. A weenie whistle. That was my best Judge Reinhold. Um, Laura and Scott get into an argument in the other room, and apparently a bully at school told Charlie there was no Santa. Um, Neil decided to tell him the truth, which upset Scott because he thought if we're going to ruin his imagination, he should be part of it. Um, I have to say, I'm I'm on Scott's side here. I don't think the stepdad should be telling him there's no Santa Claus. Do you agree or disagree with that? It's definitely crossing a line. Um, and I feel like it's something that the mom, I don't know, it's, it, it's, it's something about it just feels really icky. Yeah. Yep. Like just that's not your spot, Judge. It's not. You got back off, Judge. Charlie hugs his mom goodbye. He says, "Do I have to stay here?" And then he wants to know if his mom can pick him up early. And she says yes. And he says, "I'm talking sun up. You're here." And meanwhile, Scott's watching this all from the kitchen, um, pretty much hearing that his son doesn't want to be with him. It's got to be a little heartbreaking for Scott. So I felt bad for him in this scene. Um, in the next shot, we have a really great-looking Christmas dinner, but as the camera pulls away, it's actually just the television, and Scott's in the other room trying to, to make the dinner look just like that, but he's burned the yams. Uh, we go into the kitchen. He's putting out the turkey with a fire extinguisher, and he says to Charlie, and this is why you need a high-quality fire extinguisher right here in the kitchen. How home improvement was this? It reminded me so much of the man's kitchen. Remember yeah. that episode? Yes. And it was just everything about that kitchen and this scene. It was just, I don't know, for some, something about it just reminds me of the man's kitchen. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> in the next scene here, Charlie and Scott are in the car. They're looking for a place to eat. Um, they pull up to Denny's, and Scott says, Denny's is always open. Charlie says he doesn't want to eat here, and Scott says, come on, it's an American institution. <laughs> Uh, do you, are you a fan of Denny's? Do you have a lot of those? Have you ever eaten there growing up? I know it's kind of like, it feels like a mid, a Midwest thing. I do think it's a Midwest thing. Yeah. I remember Denny's. I'll one up you. Do you remember the commercials that Denny's used to have with the old ladies? And they're like, let's eat at Lenny's. <laughs> do you really remember those? I don't remember them, but I'm laughing just cause it sounds funny. Um, and then they'd go into the grant when the grand slam used to cost like two ninety nine. Oh wow! The only thing I remember about Denny's is I always got moons over my hammy, <laughs> and uh, we would we would go there like late, like I, like in high school I was in a band, and we would go there at like one o'clock in the morning after the show because it was like the only thing open. And uh, give me a, a coke and a moons over my hammy, 
And we'd sit there and talk about how amazing we were, even though it probably sounded like cats. So we go inside the restaurant, and after Scott's called it an American institution, we hear a very loud group of Chinese men who are just yelling at the top of their lungs and eating at the same time. Um, They get seated. The waitress's name is Judy. That may be a point later in the movie. Uh, Spoiler. I'm going to insert a clip here, and this is one of my favorite uh, parts of the movie here, so I'm going to hit play on this. Daddy's. It's always open. I don't want it here. What are you talking about? Everybody likes Denny's. It's an American institution. Coffee? No, thank you, Judy. What do you say we start out with? Cold glasses. Delicious seasonal favorite. Eggnog. I don't like eggnog. We're out. Coffee. Decaf. Mm -hmm. Oh, chocolate milk, please. We're out. Plain milk's fine. Okay. At least we know they got hot apple pie. We did. Mm-hmm. What do you think of this scene here? Everything's out at Denny's. So quotable. It's so it it really paints scott calvin as the dramatic character that he is you know he's so tragic he's so fallen he his his life is in shambles yeah work is good you know he's got he's got do it in bed dolly yep but things aren't good with his wife he has to deal with judge reinhold whose head comes to the a point (laughs) his kid doesn't like him doesn't want to be with him he can't cook dinner and he just tries to go to an american institution and guess what he can't get american classics Yep. So back at the house, Scott is reading Charlie a Christmas story. Charlie dozes off, and Scott skips ahead in the story, and he closes the book, and as he's walking out, Charlie wakes back up and says, What's a rose such a clatter? Um, and they start talking, and Scott does his best to explain what that is, and then he gets into why Santa is real and how he gets around to all the houses in the world. Charlie wants to know if he believes in Santa, and Scott hesitates a bit, but says, yes, of course, I believe in Santa, and he tells him to go to bed, and on his way out the door, Charlie says, well, we better leave him some milk and cookies just in case, okay, so he's starting to, you know, kind of fire back up his imagination a little bit here, so I think he's doing some good dad work, any thoughts on that? Uh, We know that Tim Allen, Tim Taylor, Scott Calvin is a great dad, we know that, so it's... I think important that he's he's fixing the mess that Neil made. Neil, you made a mess. It's a mess. Outside, we can hear a noise that wakes Charlie up. He jumps out of bed, and he hears the noise again, so he races down to his dad's bedroom. Scott is sound asleep. He shakes him. He wakes him up and tells him that he heard a clatter. And Scott's like, clatter? What are you talking about? And he kind of ignores it. He sits up in his bed to take... Charlie back to his bed and he hears the noise as well, looks up at the ceiling and he tells Charlie to stay here. And then he wants to know if he knows how to call 911. And Charlie says, sure, 911. I thought that was a a funny scene by Charlie. I know you don't like him, but what do you think of Charlie here? Yeah, okay. Give him points for being witty. But I I think I just sort of realized something when you said um, you asked for my response on Charlie and I realized my two least favorite kids in movies are Charlie from the Santa Claus and Charlie, <laughs> Charlie Conway. Conway. So, <laughs> apparently I hate Charlies. 
And I also hit Charlie from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Why wow. do you force your grandpa to get out of bed, you you just little prick? Hey, I'm just spitballing here, but do you also hate Charlie's Angels? I don't I don't hate Charlie's Angels, but I hate Charlie. How are you gonna let these girls go out in the field like that? Okay. So dangerous. Yeah, interesting. You do have a thing for Charlie's, that's weird. Um outside, Scott runs to the street and looks up at the roof and shouts, Hey you! And it startles the Santa Claus, and he slips and slides off the roof and onto the ground, falling, has to be at least 15, 20 feet. Charlie comes running out. You got him! And you killed him! <laughs> that still makes me laugh. Again, Charlie's got another funny line here, and Scott argues that he did not kill him, and he checks for his identity and finds a card that says, if something were to happen to me, put the suit on and the reindeer will know what to do. And Scott kind of muffs at the car. He's reindeer. Uh, and as they get up and they look around, back, go back up to the road, they look up the roof, and uh, Santa waves by to them on the ground. And up on the roof are eight reindeer and a sled. So sure enough, the, the reindeer are up there. What do you think of this scene here with uh, Scott killing Santa Claus? Uh, it's definitely a really brutal scene. Like, it's kind of... It's kind of creepy, and like the, it really puts like an eggshell around the premise of the story that you realize that one Santa Claus is real, two Santa Claus is going to die, and like even as I'm saying that, like I realize the complete mortality that Scott Calvin has by accepting the Santa Claus. It's a death warrant. Right, he will one day be murdered. <laughs> Charlie looks back at Santa, and he's now gone, and it's just the suit remaining on the ground. Scott says he's naked somewhere. I always picture like naked Santa Claus running around. Did you do you ever pick up on that? It's such a mm. subtle line that he throws in there. Uh, no, honestly, I never have. <laughs> it's so small, but I always like this time around, like especially when I was doing notes, I was like, God, that's such a good line. I wonder why it never gets talked about. Anyway, Scott has a conversation with himself and he's talking about what's transpired. You know, guys on my roof fell off. Not my problem. I didn't kill him. And uh, Charlie points at the ladder, and uh, he Scott turns around and headbutts it, and Charlie starts to climb up and says, Look, Dad, a roast such a clatter company. And he starts climbing up to the roof. Uh, Scott and Charlie get to the top. One of the reindeer rips a nice fart, and Scott looks at him and goes, Easy, Rudolph. And uh, they get into the sleigh. Charlie wants to go for a ride, and Scott trying to get him out of the sleigh, steps in and says, now let's go! And the sleigh takes off, and they shoot to another rooftop. But what what did you think of this first scene here? Um, first shot of the reindeer? Uh, what are your thoughts on them and uh, seeing the sleigh take off? This is 1994 CGI at its best. I think the CGI is cool. I think it looks great, but I'm more interested in the fact that there isn't actually a Rudolph. And, you know, we're we're Ray's being Rudolph or Santana's, what, nine reindeer? Yeah. And so this movie actually doesn't include Rudolph. It just includes the eight. Well, I mean, technically, like any, like, Santa Claus movie, I believe they only do eight. Uh, it's only, it's the cartoon, right? The claymation one that introduces Rudolph. Right. So, gosh, I haven't seen that in so long. So um, is, that the, is that the official differentiating like factor between what can and can include? Like, is Rudolph like a private entity? Does Disney have no. to buy the rights from Fox? <laughs> That's a good question. 
Hard to hard to say. Uh, let me ask you this: Do you think the the reindeer are puppeteer, CGI, or animatronic? Do you know the answer? I do not. Oh, okay. Then I, I don't. I feel bad guessing. I I don't think they look CGI. I don't think they look puppets. I I, I have no idea. They they almost look real. I guess we'll never know about the reindeer. Your guess is probably as good as mine here. So they land on another rooftop, and when they land, Charlie tells him that he needs to deliver the toys. And Scott tells Charlie, where are they going to go? I don't, I don't know how to get them out of here. This bag's empty. This whole thing is stupid. And Charlie says, you know, why does everything I want to do, why is it always stupid? And it really makes Scott feel bad. And he starts putting on the Santa suit. He's not happy about it. Um, he even makes a line uh, about, I hope the guy that lives here is a tailor, because uh, his pants are about 20 sizes too big. Um, or or that's a Tim Taylor comment. It could be very well. T- I, that that's definitely has to be it, though, right? Um, but anyway, the next time he picks up the toy bag, now it's full, and it starts floating up in the air, and eventually sucks him down the chimney pipe. And as he's flying in the air, I like this line too. Charlie says, you're flying. And he says, it's okay. I lived through the 60s. Why? <laughs> what about the 1960s has to do with flying? Is it just because that was a, a heavy drug period? That's how I always take it as a drug joke. Yeah. Very appropriate for Disney, though. Throwing a little drug joke. Um, in the house, Scott empties the bag of toys when a dog enters barking. Upstairs, the homeowner, sh- homeowner shouts down, who's there? And we hear a rifle cock. And uh, Scott runs back to the chimney, and the bag shoots him right up and out of the chimney space. So they get into the sleigh. They take off again. And uh, I know Scott says, pull me in quick. We got to get out of here. And they go all of about 20 feet to the next house. (laughs) So this time, Scott argues that the bag is empty. There's no toys. And he checks again, and again, it just fills right back up. And but there's no chimney on this one. It's just a small pipe. And as he's floating, he says, "You got to be kidding me!" And it lowers him down and sucks him right through the pipe. And magically, uh, a fireplace appears. And I have to say, for 1994, I thought the graphics on this were pretty cool with the fire, uh, the fire pit appearing or the fireplace, I should say. What'd you think of that? Yeah, I agree. Like, I think that it, they keep Disney keeps the graphics very small. Like, it's not like they're on a foreign planet or something like that. It's just very simple that they're able to pull it off very generously. Yeah. There's a little girl sleeping on the couch. She wants to know why his coat is so baggy. And he says he's watching his saturated fats. And she says, what happened to your beard? I shaved it. Now, do you want this doll or not? And on his way out, she tells him he's supposed to drink the milk. And he explains that he's lactose intolerant. And he's about this close to taking back all the toys. What do you think of uh, Scott Calvin's attitude here with the young little girl? (laughs) It's very parental the way that he has. I feel like he's acting the same way that any parent would act in this situation. (laughs) They're very annoyed. They just want to go to bed. They don't want to drink the milk. I mean, it's difficult because Santa Claus is real. Like, it's a real thing. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, um, and so, you know, for him to be in the role of this real person that actually does deliver presents, it's, God, it has to be frustrating. Yeah. No, I, I see your point. Um, he goes through one more house, and the next shot is Scott and Charlie, and they're flying in the sleigh. 
Charlie's fallen asleep. When Scott wakes him up and we hear our first ho, ho, ho from the former tool man, you have a must, much better impression. Save me here. <laughs> there we go. He says when he wakes up, he's going to get a CAT scan. And they don't arrive back at Scott's place here, even though he tells them they want to go home. Instead, they arrive at what has to be the North Pole. And we see an elf come out, and a pole rises from the ground. And he pushes a button, types in a little code, and they start to lower down into the ground here. Um, I thought this this is pretty cool. Um, I'm also confused on, and spoiler, in the sequels... I don't recall them ever going down into a hole. It's like, it's almost like, it's like an open land that they land on in those movies. In this one, like, you have to type in a code and then you go, like, underground. What What's up with that? Yeah, maybe the North Pole evolves. Maybe it, it gains ground. There's some land warfare. Have you ever played the game Risk? It's a thing. Yeah. I don't know. I, I always thought this, like, the music and, like, the little elf comes out. It's just, like... I feel like I'm nine years old again when I watch this scene. I'm just like, oh my god, they're there. Where's Santa? Oh no, it's Scott. Like, I'm just, I'm totally in. Like, I bought in already. Um, so as they lower down, we see a bunch of really young kids. They're running around. They all have the pointy elf ears, though. I always pictured elves being a little bit older. How about you? I think that's the beauty of this movie, though. That It, it pictures the whole mythology of Santa Claus in a different way. Yeah. Like, we're used to, you think of adults almost like, I'm sorry, <clears throat> You think of elves almost like gnomes, where they're adults, but elves are different than gnomes. They're not gnomes. Right. First thing Scott says when he gets out is, where are all the grown-ups? So, to my point, he's kind of feeling the same way. Approaches one of the young, or I shouldn't say young elves, because they're all really old, but he approaches an elf, and he says, who's in charge? You are. Who's the head elf? You are. And Scott just doesn't get it yet. And we're introduced to Bernard next, head elf. He's played by David Krumholtz. Any thoughts on Bernard here or David Krumholtz, the actor, who's uh, never the star, but always, I feel like he's a scene stealer. He is a scene stealer. David Krumholtz is fantastic. He's always funny. He's so great in everything from this all the way up to, uh, what, Freaks and Geeks? Yeah. You know, like anything that, anytime, and what, he's, he's in I Love You, man, isn't he? He's been in, like, everything. He's got a, he has a, that really he has a hundred credits to his name right now. So he's in This Is The End. He is in Ten Things I Hate About You. He's in I Love You, Man. He's Sydney's buddy, number three. He's also Goldstein in Harold and Kumar. That's right. He is Goldstein, isn't he? Yep. Oh, another one I forgot he's in. He's in Superbad, too. He's Benji. When they when they go to the party and uh, he makes uh, Michael Sarah's character sing. He's like, sing something, baby. <laughs> At first, I thought you said Super Troopers. I got super excited. No, he'd be great in Super Troopers, though. I was like, no, that's the guy that's married to Christina Hendricks. I would love to know why he didn't come back for Santa 3. I'm sure we're going to cover that when we, if we ever do that one. Um, one day. We'll, I gotta, we'll get there one day. I can imagine we will, but his 2006 is not really packed full of movies, so... Seems like they either didn't want to pay him or he had had enough. Also, for those of you that are a big fan of the franchise, one thing that I like to point out is in this movie, he has no limp. And number two, he walks really funny and has a heavy limp. And he's also much cheesier. 
Um, I prefer Bernard in the original, and I hate Bernard in number two. So I don't know if you felt the same way. Charlie is introduced to Bernard. I love that Scott can't seem to remember his name. Barabbas, Berard, he can't get it right. Anyway, Bernard gives him a snow globe to Charlie and tells him it's very old and he needs to take very good care of it. He tells Charlie to go grab something to eat and he takes him off with an elf and Bernard tells Scott to follow him if he wants to get out of those clothes. So as they're walking, Scott's asking a lot of questions. Bernard's explaining to him how things work and uh, he explains the Santa Claus to Scott who doesn't seem to understand. He says, well, you're a businessman, right? So the clause, as in the clause at the end of a contract. And Bernard starts to get heated here at Scott, who says it's not his job to deliver the toys, it's yours. And because you read the clause and you put on the suit, that means you're the big man. And uh, Scott wants to know what happens if he chooses not to believe. And you could hear a pin drop because everybody stops working and stares at him. And Bernard kind of leans in and says, well, you'd be disappointing millions of kids all over the world. So what did you think of this scene? I, I in, in kind of how this relates to the story here. Bernard definitely comes off as a dick because at this point I'm in Tim Allen's corner. <laughs> you don't know what to think. You don't know what's going on. You've been abducted by reindeer. You, your kid, Charlie, is being a menace. I hate you, Charlie. Why are you so bad? Bad boy. Um, <laughs> Don't call him bad boy. That <laughs> <laughs> is so weird. Bad boy. Bad boy. Um, <laughs> no, and then he gets this feisty ass elf that comes in here. And I, I think again, Krumholz does an amazing job yeah. of delivering his his performance here. He really does. Like the the, one, the part that stands out to me is is Scott's kind of like rambling, and he's like, "Try to understand me." And he just, like, screams at him, and Scott's like, whoa, jeez. Who pissed in this guy's Cheerios? Judy takes Scott into the uh, to his room next. She hands him a pair of pajamas. They're red with a big SC on the chest. Scott, uh, Judy reenters the bedroom a moment later and brings him some hot cocoa. She says it took her 1,200 years to perfect, and Scott takes a drink of it and then compliments her on how good she looks for her age. And she responds and says, "Thanks, but I'm seeing someone in rapping." What did you uh, What do you think of this scene here with Scott and Judy? Uh, and we have the Judy connection going here from Denny's. I'm so glad that we have the Judy connection because it's so funny. It, the scene coming up is is hilarious. Don't they don't want to spoil it. Yeah, but it's so like, <laughs> the fact that they have the same name. I think it creates a great parallel and a great juxtaposition between. Is Scott Kelvin going crazy? Right. Did he have too much eggnog? Like, <laughs> no, because they were out. Oh, but the yeah. Oh, that was nice. Well, at least we oh, got that warm fun. apple pie. We did. Scott is really struggling to understand what he's seeing, and he admits to to Judy he's having a hard time believing. He tells her that he stopped believing in Santa a long time ago, and Judy says that doesn't surprise her. Most grown ups do. And they just kind of grow out of it. And Scott says, I see it, but I don't believe it. And she says, well, seeing is believing and believing is seeing. Kids don't have to see this place to know it's here. They just know. And Judy tells him to get some rest. And she leaves and Scott lays down next to Charlie, who's already asleep. And um, that's the end of the scene here. And the next morning, we're going to wake up 
back in their own house. And Scott right away notices he's wearing the same PJs as what he fell asleep in. So he goes running outside the house. He's looking for Santa in the snow. Nothing's there. He runs to the the street to check the roof. There's nothing there either. So he goes back in the house and kind of plops on the couch and thinks it must have just been this big dream. And as Charlie is opening the presents, Scott points to his shirt and says, SC. And Charlie says, yeah, Santa Claus. Hey, Dad, Scott Calvin. And he points out the the correlation to the initials. Uh, The doorbell rings. Laura has come to pick Charlie up. And Charlie starts to tell his mom how about how they spent all night at the North Pole. So anyway, what what did you think of this scene here with uh, the the morning after and just kind of coming to the realization that was it real? Was it not real? I think I definitely at this point, I'm again, I'm in Scott Calvin's corner where, you know, he's he's uncertain. Yes. But it was real. And he has to face his ex-wife, who's being a total beyond. Oh, oh. Like, it's like, go get a haircut. What is with what is with this haircut? This haircut's no good. Did she go into the salon and just say, I want the Amish cut? That's- <laughs> I want the Jillian Forrestal from Olivet. <laughs> so Scott runs outside to ask Charlie some more questions after he's gotten into the car. Neil compliments him on his pajamas. And Charlie explains that he's the new Santa. Neil, of course, doesn't believe any of it and says, we'll talk about it at home. And he'll probably charge him for it. In this next scene, we're at Charlie's school. He's supposed to introduce Neil first uh, for bring your dad to to school day. Uh, But instead, he walks over and tells him he wants to bring his dad up first. And he tells the whole class that he's Santa Claus. And Scott tries to cover, and he makes a joke about he's like Santa Claus because they both work really hard once a year. And uh, uh, he's just sitting there with a stuffed animal in his hand. He's sweating in front of the classroom. They're peppering him with questions. One little bastard wants to know if if he wants to be Santa Claus. He can just push him off the roof. What do you think of this scene here? Exactly. That's what I was saying. He's destined to die. (laughs) This little morbid axe murderer knows what's up. <laughs> no, but so this scene for the first time, like even from when I was younger, like when I saw this scene, like it never clicked in my head that he worked for a toy company. Yeah. And he became Santa Claus. It's very clever writing, isn't it? It really is. It's, a, it's, it's an subtle. amazing connection that like I, I always forget about until this point in the movie. And I'm like, oh, that's right. There's, there's like this whole sub-level of context. Yeah. We're in the principal's office next. Neil wants to speak first because he's a doctor. And he wants to know, what was the last thing you and Charlie did before you went to bed on Christmas Eve? And Scott thinks about it for a second says, well, we shared a bowl of sugar couple shots of brown liquor, played with my shotgun, dressed a field cat, and looked for women. Come on, folks, I read him a book. What do you think we did? There was Um, no beaking. (laughs) Zero beaking. Um, The principal tells him to sit down with Charlie and explain to him that he's not Santa Claus. So in the next scene, we, we go to the zoo, and Scott and Charlie are looking at some polar bears, and right away Charlie says, look, that looks like the polar bear from uh, the North Pole. And Ken Scott's just like, come on, you got to stop talking about this stuff. So they go walking down the street. 
And uh, as they're talking, Charlie looks back and kind of chuckles, and we see eight reindeer following behind them. Uh, any thoughts on this? Anything with like the principal's office or the uh, zoo here? <laughs> I love the, the the comparison that we get between Scott and Neil, yes. and then I love that it comes. We're getting the full circle to realize again: is he crazy? Is he not crazy? But the reindeer are following him. Something is awry. In the house next, Charlie is playing pretend Santa Claus in his room. He's got a, a sign on his door that says North Pole South. Wouldn't this just be South Pole? I hate to, to rag on the eight-year-old here, but come on, buddy. If it's not North, it's got to be South, right? Yeah, my, my second grade education taught me that. There's North, South, East, and West. Never eat sour wheat. Apparently, um, Laura calls Scott to come and talk with Charlie because he's playing Santa Claus in his room. And he shows up, and she meets him outside. And he says, where is he? But he could be in his room with a red hat on wearing galoshes. Not Neil, I meant Charlie. Uh, Laura did think the comment was funny. I did. Um, I love Tim Allen humor. Uh, so in Neil's office, he's pretty much interrogating Charlie here. But Charlie makes a really good point. He asks Neil if he's ever seen a million dollars, which he says no. He says, well, just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean it's not real. Point Charlie. Any thoughts on that? Point Charlie. I mean, fine. Give Charlie a point of credit. Like, I hate you, Charlie, but you can have a point. Neil tells Scott he thinks Charlie's conflicted. And Scott makes light of the situation and tells Neil he should worry more about where he's going to get more sweaters once the circus leaves town. Scott takes Charlie on a walk. He tells him there's no reason why we need to tell anyone about the North Pole. And this is just going to be our secret. And he's going to pay him five bucks to hold that secret. I don't know what five bucks is going to buy. Maybe, I guess that, that's like a Happy Meal. So that's that's not a bad deal, right? No, I, I would love a Happy Meal right now. I might call Uber Eats. <laughs> is that a thing out in uh, D.C.? <laughs> Is it has it not reached Indiana no, yet? Definitely not. We're still trying you can to pay Uber Eats. Shout out to you guys. Basically, what you do is you pay someone else to get to their car, go to the store and get you your food and bring it to you. Nice. You know what? I, I guess I should take it back. We don't have Uber Eats, but um, my wife's actually doing something like that. It's called Shipped. And you can uh, you can order all your groceries online and then she goes, picks them out and delivers them. But yeah, it's like she, that, but, but she won't go pick up. Restaurant. Yeah, but she won't go pick up like McDonald's for him. So it just has to be like the grocery store only. Um, so what you're saying is your wife will not bring me McDonald's right now? No, no chance. She won't even bring me McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> the next morning, Scott gets up out of bed. He rips a big old fart, and then he goes to the mirror, and he's growing a pretty thick beard, and he's got himself a nice little gut going on too. Uh, he jumps on the scale, and as he's sitting on the scale, uh, it starts to just go up in weight little by little. So he jumps off and goes, something must be wrong with the scale. Um, he's late for a meeting in the next scene, and he's wearing the old Canadian tuxedo here. He's in sweatpants and a sweatshirt. Uh, his boss says, oh, my God, when he sees him walking up. And Scott tells him he was stung by a bee, and the doctors say the swelling should go down. We should be all right. Um, and then he places his order for lunch, and he orders nothing but junk food. And he's going to wash down his cookies and cheesecake and his hot fudge sundae with a nice tall glass of milk. And his partner from earlier, 
says stung by a bee, Scott. Um, what what do you think of this here? It's funny the way that he's slowly becoming Santa Claus, yes, and I he's slowly it. like acclimating to the food and the sweets, <laughs> and you know he he orders the salad with the dressing on the side, and then what four desserts? Right. He's like, I'll take a salad, dressing on the side, and then hmm, we get a hot fudge sundae, extra hot fudge, cheesecake, cookies, and he just keeps going. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, I really, I think this is why I like the original so much is we actually get to watch the transformation, which is also the best part of the sequel when he starts to like basically de-transform back to his old self. So spoiler, I guess. So they're pitching a new toy next. I'm going to play a short little clip here and let's take a listen. This time he's going. Total tank. Wait a minute. No way. No way Santa's going anywhere without his sleigh. He would if he's trying to sell the total tank. Well, isn't that a pretty picture? Santa rolling down the block in a panzer. Well, kids, I, I certainly hope you've been good this year, because it looks like Santa just took out the Pearson home. It's coming! And another thing. But what about the reindeer? Reindeer and Santa? Santa and a reindeer? It, it's kind of a package deal. Calvin... You don't believe in Santa, do you? Calvin, can we get back to the presentation? I'm not done yet. Since we've opened this box, have any of you tried to build the total tank? It's got 10,000 parts. And even if you do get it together, it breaks 10 minutes later. All right, what'd you think of this scene here? Scene here. It's like, and it, it reminds me of so many typical business meetings. Yeah. I'm sure you've been in typical business meetings just the same. Where some jackass comes in with his great idea and he gets shot down by the obviously superior SC. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's the way that they ride the line between black and white with they're doing a, a kid's campaign for a toy utilizing Santa Claus. And there's literally Santa Claus in the room. Right. <laughs> like when you think about like how like like the, the black and white of the of the scene, it's it's. I don't know. Like you mentioned earlier, it's actually extremely well written, and the scene is is that it's a it's a well written scene. Yep. I just I love his delivery on everything. Well, isn't that nice? Santa rolling down the street in a Panzer. It's so funny just listening to him deliver these lines. Uh, his boss sends him home, and he tells him he's starting to look like the Pillsbury Doughboy, and he needs to go see a doctor, do something. Um, but get yourself together, and he sends him out of there. Um, so next, we've got Scott, and he's visiting the doctor. His gut is tripled in size, and he now has half a beard, and it's almost completely white. Um, the one part I really liked about this is where his heartbeat makes the Christmas jingle, and the doctor just kind of looks at him. Uh, and then Scott also mentions to the doctor, how fast does facial hair grow? Because I shave in the morning... And by the afternoon, I look like this. And he points to his beard. But, you know, he's healthy as a horse, Clydesdale. What did you think of this? <laughs> this? I love this scene so much because the doctor is like, he's just such a, like a generic doctor. I know. You know. And the heartbeat always makes me laugh. 
he calls him a pie style, which makes me think of what is that? The Budweiser Christmas yep. commercials. Yep. I don't know. Like, I love when a movie uses a scene like this to push the story forward. Yes. And to push the character forward and to establish a baseline with the audience. It's like it's it's a very necessary scene, and it's just I don't know. It's it's a cool, fun, funny scene, and you you're closer to Scott Calvin because of it, mm-hmm. and. I don't know. It's just very Christmassy, and we're slowly getting to the point where he's going to begin to accept his fate as Santa yes. Claus. Yep, we're we're getting there rapidly. Charlie's soccer game is going on next. Scott is watching from a bench. A little girl comes over and taps him on the shoulder and tells him she wants some ballet slippers. Uh, Laura and Neil show up on the other side of the field. And they look over at Scott, who now has a line of kids trying to talk with him. Uh, Scott tells one of the kids he has to stop. And he yells, I didn't get to tell you what I want yet. Fax it to me. So 1994, you know, if you're a young kid listening to this episode, we didn't have cell phones yet. You couldn't just text it. You couldn't just email it. You had to fax it. Anyway, Neil says, Scott, I have to say, it's safe to say you've taken this Santa thing to a whole new level. Here's my card. Call me. And Laura accuses Scott of changing his appearance to make Charlie like him. Again, I know what you're going to say, but what do, you, what do you think about this scene here? Because now I'm I'm on Scott's side. Yeah, I think I think Neil needs to be giving some private sessions to the mom. <laughs> really, really, come on! He's clearly Santa Claus. Like, how do you not see right. that? If nothing else, I mean, I guess to their point. Is they're used to seeing him, and he's pretty skinny in real life. He's not a real big guy, and now he's kind of ballooned up. He's got a white beard, white hair, and this has all happened within a couple months. So you I, know what? I think they they just think he's losing it, and they're worried about him being around a little kid. That's a really good point. That's something that I've never considered: is looking at the movie from their perspective. Yes. And being that it's called the Santa Claus, you come into this movie knowing that he is the Santa Claus, you know? And, I, I mean, I, I get the, the irony of the title. It's the, the Santa Claus. <laughs> but if the whole movie was just shown and told from their perspective, it would be so different. Yeah. But that's what makes it a great movie. Like, that's the level of, and the, the subcontext of the character development that makes it good. That, like... It sticks. I just realized that right now. Good. Good. Glad I can contribute. Usually you put all the good stuff in. <laughs> Scott gets a knock at the door. The UPS guy tells him he's got some packages for him. Scott says, go ahead and just leave him inside. I'll leave the door open. And he comes down from finishing up shaving his face. And the note says, here's the list. And he's got boxes from the ground practically to the ceiling all the way through the entire entrance of his house. Uh, Scott chases after the uh, trucks, wants to know what he should do with all these boxes. And uh, he now has a a full white beard, full white head of hair, and uh, he's walking down the street. This is probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I wish I would have grabbed this clip. But he says, Annie, nice. Johnny, naughty. Gary, nice. Veronica, very nice. And she says, in your dreams, Slayboy. Now, in the last episode, we kind of went back and forth. I thought she said Fat Boy. 
And then I also thought she might have said Playboy, but it's actually Slayboy. Slayboy makes the most sense. It does. And what's so sad is there's there's a good amount of sexual innuendos in this movie that <laughs> I feel like there's a deleted scene where it is in his dreams. Oh, hey He's about the beak. Now, self-beak. <laughs> Scott's shaving in the next scene again. He's also trying to dye his hair. As soon as he washes his face off with the water and a towel, his hair and beard grow back completely, uh, immediately completely white again. Uh, so at this point, he's got no choice. He's going to have to just ride this out. Uh, Neil and Laura are at the lawyer's office next. Laura is having second thoughts about what they're doing um, as Charlie is led to the back by um, the judge or one of the lawyers. I'm not sure exactly who he goes in the back with. Or she wants to know what's so bad about Charlie believing in Santa Claus. And Neil says, well, he's too old for one. She tells the story about when she stopped believing in Santa Claus. She wanted a mystery date play. And it was the only gift she wanted that year. She got dozens and dozens of gifts, but mystery date was never there. And that's when she stopped believing in him. Neil says he was three. It was an Oscar Mayer weenie whistle. Christmas came. No weenie whistle. What do you think of this scene here? I love the weenie whistle part. Okay, so let me ask you the question. What was your Christmas gift that you did not get? Bebop. Obviously, you got everything. You had Michael Jordan shoes and parents. Shout, and shout out to my mom. And we actually have this on videotape of me just getting my butt whooped. Um, but I cried and threw a fit over not getting Bebop, the action figure. And my poor mom had gone to, like, Dozens of stores trying to find this one action figure, and she got me everything else but Bebop, and I threw a royal fit on Christmas. Did you at least have Rocksteady? Oh, I got everything else. You, you, got, you got everything else? I thought maybe you had <laughs> Rocksteady for Oh my god. I thought maybe you had Rocksteady from your birthday or something. No, you got... I believe if I go back to the video, I can show this to you probably. Pair of Jordans. Technodrome. All the Ninja Turtle guys, Shredder, no Bebop. So that's you're what I'm like, lucky I'm still on the call right now. I can't help it. My parents spoiled me. I don't deny it. Okay. Well, you take it with grace. Yeah. Scott shows up at the, uh, the lawyer's office, and he wants to talk with Charlie, uh, but they tell him he's already in with the judge. The judge judge says he hates to do this, but he's granted petition uh, to uh, of Charlie to Mister and Missus Miller here. So even even though it's Christmas time, uh, they're taking his son away from him. What do you think about this? What's the story? I want to see the the prequel movie that has Judge Ryan Hold an ugly haircut. So are they living together? Are they married? Like, what does that household look like? Because I think this judge is being very, 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 very speeding into a decision. I think it's it's ill-advised. It's ill-prepared. Not buying it. Seems quick, for sure. So Scott is walking down the street next. He's completely distraught. He's got his hands in his pockets. He's kind of slumped over. And he decides he's just going to go see Charlie. And he goes and knocks on the door and kind of busts his way in. Neil tries to stop him, um, but Charlie, uh, but, uh, I should say Scott, threatens to, uh, to beat him up. Neil says, would Santa really beat somebody up? He goes, I'm about this close. 
Anyway, Charlie comes to the rescue, and he comes in, and he tells Neil that he is Santa. He saw everything. And Charlie tosses Scott the snow globe that Bernard gave him, and it comes to life at that moment. And it's a really great moment here between Scott and his son. And out of nowhere, Bernard shows up, too, as uh, Laura and uh, Neil are kind of arguing in the other room. And Charlie wants to go with. Bernard says it's fine with him if it's good with his dad. And as Laura enters the room, they've all disappeared out of thin air. What do you think of this scene? I love that Bernard finally comes back. Yes. I love that the snow globe comes back. Like, the, it, it's, to me, from, like, a writing perspective, it's like they're, they're slowly tightening on all of the strings of the story. And they're bringing everything back into play in such a great way. So yeah. now we have Bernard again. We have the snow globe again. Uh, Bernard, what, eating a hummus sandwich? Yes. Who ate hummus back in 1994? <laughs> I don't know. Like, but I'm being serious. Everybody out there, had you heard of hummus in 1994? Nah, I I didn't hear about hummus until a couple of years ago, so I didn't even know that was a thing. I don't know. In the police station next, they show a picture of Scott, and the cop says, this won't be easy. And another cop says, won't the bright red suit and beard kind of give him away? And everybody gets a chuckle out of it. Charlie calls home in the next scene. He tells his mom he's up at the North Pole. Everything's fine, and he will see them at Christmas. She tries to keep him on the line, but he hangs up. And they show that they've designed all these new cool features. Um, a flame retardant suit. Um, some different things with the sled. And Scott keeps asking the question of, what happens if I fall off a roof? And nobody seems to ever answer that question. Why do you think that is? I think that I think that has to be the way that all Santa Claus right. die. <laughs> unfortunately, so they, so they just ignore it. They're just like, "Well, shit happens." Well, you, it's not what happens when you fall off a roof. What happens is you die, right? And you're replaced. That's what happens. We have a montage next of the police pulling over a couple of fake Santas, and uh, Charlie and Santa are getting ready to board the sleigh next. And um, this is kind of classic Santa Claus here, but um, and this is Scott and Charlie both combining on this. But he says, now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen. And Charlie says, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donner and Blitzen. And away they go. Laura is, this is all montage here. She's in the Santa, or sorry, she's in the uh, police precinct. And she's looking at a lineup of Santas, none of which actually look anything like Scott. Um, I also like the part where they yell, turn to the left, and there's like three guys that turn right. Um, that made me laugh. Charlie shows him some updates on the sleigh. Scott says, nice, CD, compact disc. And Charlie says, no, it's a cookie cocoa dispenser. Makes warm hot chocolate, and then out pops a cookie. Why is that not a real thing? And if somebody can make it, tweet me right now, because I will pay you to put that in my car. How much? How much would you pay? I'd pay $500, cold hard cash. Give me seven fifty, and we'll call it a day. I don't think you can do it. I don't think you're much of a woodsman. No, but I will sleep in your car for a few weeks and <laughs> hand you cookies and chocolate cocoa anytime you want it. <laughs> first house, um, so we're back on the in the sleigh, and the first hot house that he stops at is the little girl from last year that he was getting upset with. First thing she says is, you're fatter this year. Pretty much something everybody wants to hear, right? Boy, you gained a bunch of weight. You look terrible. Yeah. 
But that's human nature. I think every human gains <laughs> a little bit of weight each year. I mean, that's isn't that the point of Thanksgiving yeah. and then Christmas and then yeah. He also takes a drink of milk and makes like a sour face. And actually, he even says it's a little sour. And she says it's soy milk. You told me you were lactose intolerant. He says, yes, I did, didn't I? This time he pats her on the head, and he's super nice to her this time around. So just his attitude to Santa has completely changed. Uh, We go over to the Miller house, and the cops are set up waiting for Scott. He's putting some presents under the tree when they bust in and arrest him. And they put him inside the cop car. And as they're taking him kind of out of the house and to the car, little kids are watching, saying, let Santa go. Let him go. And he tells the kids it's going to be okay. So Judy, who's on his radio, which is in his hat, has been trying to communicate with him. And they've pinpointed that the communication stopped at the Miller house. So time to deploy ELFS. Um, I never caught what that actually stood for. Do you know off the top of your head? No, but I hate it. And this is one of the scenes that I just, I hate it. It's time for elves with attitude. Like, oh. <laughs> it's like the only thing I don't like about this movie is the montage where he gets in his flame retarded <laughs> suit and right. they're walking down the hallway. Then they stop to do the dance. <laughs> Which, by the way, that was one of the interesting facts I didn't put out there. That was completely uh, just off the cuff, that dance scene. I hate that dance scene. And the director thought it was funny, so he kept it in. So blame well, the blame the director. I do. I blame the director. I blame Terminal. Oh, oh, and I blame so many people for like my only non-favorite scene in the movie. Damn it! Yeah. All right. And so in this next scene, Scott's going to be interrogated, and I'm going to start with another clip. Oh, you're Scott Calvin. You know you're Scott Calvin. So let's make this simple. I say name. You say Scott Calvin. Name, Chris Green. Name, Santa Claus. Name, Père Noël. Babo Natale. Père's Nicole. Papa Gigio. Okay, Calvin. Maybe a couple hours in the tank will change your mind. What do you think of this guy here, and why does he sound exactly like Jack Nicholson? <laughs> he really does. That's a really good point. <laughs> I love this. I love this part because you know all the different names for Santa Claus that yeah. he's spitting out. Santa and Cruz. it ends. Papa Gijo. <laughs> it was like so quotable on the the schoolyard as a kid. Yeah. It was almost like Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> you, you would do. You would do. Hello. Don't get me started because I will pull out my Figaro. I'm not Figaro. I'm not Figaro. I'm not Figaro. I'm not gonna do it right now. Um, you guys, barking. you guys, just wait till we get to Mrs. Doubtfire. You're you're in for it. I've got impressions out the butt with that one. So the elves are now flying through the air, and they stop at the uh, Miller House on top of the roof, and they get Charlie, uh, the main elf, who's kind of taking the lead here, tells him to hold his hand and hang on. And by the way, don't ever try this at home without elf supervision. We're starting to get a little cheesy here, and I don't like it. What do you think? Um, I think that they could do a little bit cheddar, but it's Gouda overall. Yeah. Okay. I like your cheese reference. We'll move on. So we're at the, the cop station next, and the cop, of course, 
is reading a book and eating a donut, as they usually do. And they enter, and you can barely see just the, the very tip of their head. Um, and the guy leans forward in his chair and says he wants to know who they are. And the main elf says, your worst nightmare, elves with attitude. And they tie the cop up quickly, and then they go to the uh, the cells where he's being held, and they break him out with tinsel. So not just for decoration. And they run out with Santa Claus here. So any any thoughts on this scene? I know you kind of crapped on it earlier. Yeah, it just it gets a little too cheesy for me. Yeah, but I, again, that's that's an adult looking at a kids movie. But and you know, having that, we're saying that we saw it between you know nine, twelve, thirteen years old. Like we sort of missed that window a little bit to an extent. But right. like my little brother loved Jesse loved this part. Like elves with attitude, he would run around every Christmas and he'd be like. I'm an elf with attitude. And I'd be like, Jesse, knock it off. Hey, let me ask you this. Was this before or after Jumanji scared him to death? This is before. Okay. All right. Sorry, Jesse. I, I ratted you out. It now hangs over his head for all time. He hates that we told the world about that. <laughs> he really was upset. Uh, and if you want to hear Jesse being upset with his big brother about that, go back to our Saw episode. And that's our special guest, Jesse. He'll be back on a future episode for sure. Uh, we got We got to get Jesse back, probably for the um, Jonathan Taylor Thomas Chevy Chase movie, Man of the House. Man of back. the House. To guarantee it, Jesse, you have no choice. Maybe we'll let him do a solo episode. <laughs> That'd be so awkward doing this by yourself. <laughs> you know, one one point I wanted to make here. Yeah, I know we've gave a lot of credit to the writing, and it deserves a lot of credit because they've they've tied up every loose end. I have to believe that there's some missing scenes here because it just it feels too quick that, you know, they they catch him at the house. He gets interrogated. He gets broken out of the house. And then this next scene here that I'm going to get to is Charlie opening up the door and they're right back at the house again. And this is all within like two minutes. Any any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that at least directorially they do. They rely on the montage a little too much. Yeah. But I feel like at the time um, when this movie came out, that was a little bit of Disney's yeah, that's, that was repertoire. Their thing. Like that's that was part of their shtick. Yeah, we we saw that in Mighty Ducks, and did we do any other Disney's? Was Heavyweights Disney? Yep, Heavyweights is Disney, and also Heavy Montage as well. And those are all around that same period, so that's a good point. Um, so anyway, Charlie arrives home. The door opens, and he yells for Mom and Neil. Neil actually comes running first, and uh, they kind of embrace. And Scott interrupts and says, I don't have much time. And he tells Charlie he thinks it's a better idea for him to stay here with them and that he can't be selfish. And he reminds Charlie that he has millions of kids that are counting on him, and he can't let them down. And he also tells Charlie that he gave him an awesome gift. Well, Charlie gave him an awesome gift by believing in him, when no one else did, and he helped make him Santa Claus. And this is a, a really good scene between dad and son here. What what did you think of this? I think that um, that's a really good point that you make, that to say that it's between dad and son, and like a lot of the shtick that happens in the movie, it sort of it acts as like a parallel story between dad and son, and at the heart of the story is 
their fractured relationship growing closer and closer together. Yeah. You know, and for a lot of times, for a lot of families, for a lot of people from, you know, going back to, you know, this is the 90s, 80s, 70s, 60s, 50s, 40s, all the way back, like all throughout the past hundred years, Christmas is sort of the glue and like family relationships. And I think that this is sort of a metaphor for that, that we have Christmas, we have Santa Claus, we have that sort of coming to be the heart of what that family relationship is. And it, it's really, you know, bridging the gap. And, you know, we'll see that gap bridge between Scott and his ex-wife, even Scott and Neil and Charlie, for as much as I hate him, like, I think that he, he has a good arc coming up at the end. Yeah. So they hug and Scott turns to Laura and says, what do you think? He spends Christmas Eve with you guys from now on and basically Christmas with dad. And Laura starts to tear up and says... Oh my gosh, it really is you. You really are Santa Claus. And Scott makes a joke about her parents. They thought I'd never amount to anything. <laughs> Neil tries to get him the right character here, but as he gets closer to Scott, he looks at him in the eyes and then calls calls him Santa. And he's just, his mind is blown. Laura enters and she gives Scott an early Christmas present. She throws the legal papers in the fire and says, I want you to come visit Charlie as much as you can, anytime you can. Uh, Bernard shows back up out of nowhere, and this really freaks Neil out. Uh, and he says, he's sucking us into his delusion. Look at the elaborate measures he's taken. And Laura, who now fully believes that Scott is Santa Claus, just says, Neil, it's okay. I'll explain it to you later. And um, I love that Bernard comes back here. So they exit. The cops show up. Uh, outside the house and Laura goes out and says you're too late he's already up the chimney and all of a sudden we see the uh the sled and reindeer kind of lift from the roof and they fly overhead here as everybody kind of looks on in amazement and Scott flies over or I should say Santa Claus at this point and says Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night Neil looks at Charlie and uh, apologizes to him for not believing him. Charlie says, it's okay. You were just denying your inner child. Neil says, you know, you're going to make a great psych psychiatrist someday, kid. And Charlie said, no, I think I'm going to go into the family business. And Santa drops three presents out of the sky. Um, one for Neil, one for Laura, one for Charlie. Neil finally gets his weenie whistle. And Laura gets her mystery date game that she always wanted. What do you think of this scene here? It was such a cool, cool, like, capstone to everything that has gone on. And then to be able to give Neil his weenie whistle. And it's, do, I want to hear your Neil one more time. My weenie whistle. It's a weenie whistle. Um, and she, she gets the dating game. Like, it's it's cool because, again, every child, everyone has, not everyone, if you don't celebrate Christmas, then I apologize for my offensive dialogue. <laughs> I don't apologize. This is America. You either like it or you don't. <clears throat> Let me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to re-say that in a more I'm also joking. Correct I'm way. joking, people. Don't tweet Justin your hate, not me. Go ahead. Let's do this in a more politically correct way. Everybody has had a point in their life where they've wanted something, whether it be a present, whether it be uh, something from an occasion, yeah. uh, dates, uh, 
go you go to a restaurant and you're expecting Chili's to actually give you the baby back ribs that they sing about. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. And you get disappointed. You you don't get what you wish for. No. And in this instance, it's rectifying like this lifetime of repressed anger that both of the the ugly mom and Judge Reinhold have by giving them what has like destroyed their inner child. It's it's cool. Right. It's, a, it's such a such a massive metaphor. I love that Neil got his weenie whistle. Uh, in the he next got scene, the in his mouth. And he does. He's blown away on that wiener, too. Uh, in that next scene, uh, Charlie is holding the snow globe in his hand, and he tells mom, or his mom comes out and tells him it's time to come inside. He says, the stupid globe doesn't work. And Santa appears and says, give me a break. I was on my way to Cleveland. And he wants to, he asks Laura if it's okay if he takes Charlie for a quick ride, and she agrees. Just a quick one. Uh, and they float up toward the sled. And the final shot is the sled flying across the moon uh, in the sky. What are your final thoughts on the movie here? It's Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. I have to say, you know, this is again, it's it's my favorite in the in the in the trilogy of movies for Santa Claus. I think this is the one that's written the best, acted the best. It's it's more, in my opinion, down to earth, not as corny. Is they make the sequels out to be, um, and I every time I watch this movie, I don't feel like it's aging. I don't feel like um, it's not going to be fun to watch in twenty years. I think this is a movie that you'll be able to watch for the next forty, fifty years, and it still can kind of capture that imagination. Yeah, and you're absolutely right, and that comes down to it being a well thought out movie. It having the right actors in the right positions at the right times to give the right performances, the same way that you can watch a movie from the 1940s or 50s and to be like, oh, look at Jimmy Stewart go, or you know, yeah. look at, you, you get what I'm saying. It's like yeah. I'm not saying that Tim Allen's going to go down in the records as being like a like that amazing of a knockout actor, but right. in this role, he's he was the he was the right actor. He I feel like they, Santa Claus. you know, with him, they kind of caught like lightning in a bottle. Like the number one TV show, he's got a best-selling book. He's being seen on millions and millions of screens every single week with Home Improvement, and then he comes and he knocks this role out of the park, and it's it's tailored it it's tailored to him. I mean, this this very well could just be an episode of Home Improvement where he becomes Santa Claus. But, I mean, he does an amazing job, and I give him a lot of credit. And, you know, he's not just funny in this movie, though. He's got, like, a, he's got a lot of heart, too. <laughs> no, I, I agree. Like, I love, for anybody that hasn't seen Home Improvement or is not, they're unfamiliar with Tim Taylor, or that whole shtick. Which, I, if I'm not mistaken, is part of the stand-up, too. You know what you haven't done at all this entire episode? Uh, <laughs> was that it? Yes. Uh, so let's uh, let's wrap this thing up. It's been a, a great 2017 of, of shows. Uh, I think we're off to a great start. Really looking forward to 2018. Again, go on our Twitter right now, at BackInTimePod. And vote for our second episode of January. Again, you're going to choose between Scream, I Know What You Did Last Summer, Disturbing Behavior, or Urban Legend. So get out there and vote. And uh, Justin, what are you hoping that gets picked for that episode? 
All right, that's a really good question. I, I don't want to sway the audience. Go ahead and sway him. This is your moment. We don't want Ace Ventura all over again. Damn you all. Damn you all. I think Scream would be the most complicated movie to review. Okay. I think Urban Legend would be the second most complicated movie to review. Okay. I think Disturbing Behavior would be the funnest movie to review. And I'm hoping that it's I Know What You Did Last Summer. Okay. I'm going to make it simple. I hope it's Scream. I haven't watched it in a long time, and I would love to go back and rewatch it. See, this is the same. My thought process on this is the same as when we had Kindergarten Cop and uh, Last Action Hero going neck to neck. Because in the most purest sense, like Last Action Hero is a spoof of Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> yes, and exactly. it was a, I, I loved our review of Kindergarten Cop because it was easy to focus in on that one movie as opposed to looking at the grand scheme of everything that Last Action Hero was looking at. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Scream looks at the whole pain of what is 80s horror movies and 90s horror movies and slashers and teen slashers, and it looks at everything. Whereas if you look at something like, I know what you did last summer, vote for I know what you did last summer, I know what you did last summer is the best. I know, I'm looking forward to whatever you guys vote for. I'm, those are <laughs> like four of my favorite horror movies ever, so I'm super stoked. I kind of want to see I know what you did last summer. No, just because of those two reasons. Um <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we're on Instagram, at Back in Time Pod. We are on our uh, Facebook, facebook.com, backslash Back in Time Pod. Every full episode is up now and streaming on YouTube. This episode will be up there as well. Throw us a subscribe on there. Give us a thumbs up. Um, I'm at kautry29 on social media if you want to find me. Um, JD, what's your handle? I am unjust Justin. I'm awesome. clever like that. I that is very clever. You're you're not just, but you are Justin. I'm unjust, Justin. Okay, you're unjust, Justin. Okay. Well, Justin, Justin was taken. So. Okay, right. But why don't you just do Justin, Justin, Justin? Yeah, because that's just silly. That is kind of silly. Why? Why do I not just sleep on an air mattress <laughs> at night? You, do you? I kind of feel like I kind of feel like you do. (laughs) All right, let's jump into DeLorean. I'm gonna punch in December 18, 2017. Uh, When this episode airs, it may be 2019, but it doesn't matter, people. We have a DeLorean, and uh, we thank you for jumping back to 1994 and joining us all year long. We'll be back in 2018. We're gonna be watching Speed. Great Scott. I can't wait to get into some Keanu Reeves. Um, We'll see you then. Thanks for listening. This means your future hasn't been written yet. No one's has. Your future is whatever you make it. So make it a good one. Both of you.